Here oh, we yes. go. We are again back in the game, man. Do you feel it? Woo. Can you feel it? Man. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another mm-hmm. episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandino. Boys, and on today's episode, we are going to recap last Saturday's UFC Fight Night, which was headlined by Giga Chikadze versus Calvin Cater. Then we will hit you guys with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC 270, which is headlined by Surreal Gone versus Francis Ngannou. Oh, and don't forget the flyweight titles on the line, too, with Brandon Moreno versus Davidson Figgy Figueiredo. Then I'm putting a little spin on the game, F. Mary Kill. And we're going to call it Sleep, Bury, Lose, in which I'm going to give you guys a fighter, three potential opponents, and you guys are going to tell me which of those three would qualify for them. We'll explain it when we get there. And finally, we're going to finish up with all the news and headlines happening in the world of MMA. But first, boys, how are we doing? We're back, baby, with the mixer. Yeah, it feels, feels good, man. I... Can't lie. Once the beat started, I was like, all right, we're back in the game now. It's serious. Yeah. Different, a little different vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go ahead and get the elephant in the room out of the way, or should we say the elephant that's not in the room? Mm. Brandon, wow. Brandon is uh, joining us via Zoom. So technically, you're not back yet. We're still, we're still Zooming with you, uh, but go ahead and tell the people what you've got going on over there, man. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty good. I know I sound a little congested still, but um, I actually feel really good. I got my second test today, so I'm hoping for well. You didn't even negative. Don't, people don't even know because remember last week you were like, I oh, think I have oh, COVID, right. but okay. you ended up yeah, yeah. So I, I was COVID positive. I got that on Sunday uh, or Monday. I got the positive result. So I've been quarantined pretty much the whole week, and um, just got my second test today, hoping to get a negative by tomorrow or the next day. But my wife just came down with a positive on, uh, I think it was Friday or Saturday. Yeah. And so she's kind of just now going through what I had just finished. So we're kind of recycling through. Right. But I'm good to go. So hopefully I plan on being back to everything full swing this week, and we'll we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, it's never easy bouncing back from. I can tell you that. Yeah, that is true. Well, also, we are, um, we're recording this. So, um, we'll see, you know, like last time, we'll see where this video goes. (laughs) No promises, but. No promises, how we utilize it. Um, If you do end up seeing this, for reference, first off, Mm -hmm. it kind of looks like me and John, like I'm looking right now, and it looks like we're looking at ourselves, but we are not. We're looking at Brandon. Our webcam is actually up higher. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would just be really awkward to keep looking up as we're all sitting here talking. Right. Uh, so just for reference, we are not looking at ourselves. Uh, we are definitely looking at Brandon. I have my notes off to the side, so I need to look at those as well. Um, so let's just get that out of the way as well. Right. We're not. We're if not. Those, we're it, not those guys. If it's any consolation, when you look at the webcam, it looks like you're looking at me. So for me, it looks like it does look like looking, we're looking at you. Yeah, when you look at the that's webcam. Good. So oh, yeah. right now, oh, yeah. that's what he's yeah. saying. We have to look up to see the webcam, yeah. but the camera's gotcha. down it's here. Not, so. It's not a great setup. But we're gonna we're gotcha. gonna figure this out though. We will. We we'll get there. <sighs> Might just take a little while. Um, yeah. Anything else, man? Anybody else have anything they want to share from their week? I know Brandon doesn't have much. He's been quarantined. John, mm. anything that exciting going on in your world? Because I feel like the people are dying to know. Yeah. No, I had a really good day yesterday. Uh, went down to Indy to. 
I think it's called AMP Arts Music and something. It's a big building that had like seven, eight food vendors in it. They had like a bar in there. There was a DJ at one point who kept on playing Baby Shark over and over. He had hula hoops for kids. There was one kid that was going crazy. Had some good food. Yikes. Went to a bookstore. Got some uh, new additions. Cool. Hit a, a Marvel book, a George R.R. R. Martin book. Okay. And then another book and then finished it off with some yats to take home. For dinner, so yum yum yum. I love that's a, that's probably the best Saturday I've had all year. So let's go. <laughs> a little early, but I like it. Hitting it off. Uh, well, hey, while you're on it, go ahead and tell the people because we got to get into this episode. We right. have so much to talk about with the main event last night, um, and then obviously the pay per view coming up this week, mm-hmm. and the game and the news and everything. So I don't want to waste too much time right here at the top. If you guys don't have anything else, John, let the people know what we ask them to do each and every week. Listen, we need you guys to get on Apple Podcasts. We need these reviews, five stars. We need you guys to download stuff. We need you to follow us on things. Oh, Brandon's gone. Keep going. We'll just keep going. We need you to follow us on social media, Neon Belly Podcast. You know, we... We getting more, way more active on there. We're posting a lot more. You can see clips on there. So definitely do that. Get us on Spotify everywhere that you're used to getting us. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. And yeah, so Brandon's gone, huh? <laughs> uh, like John was a couple weeks ago. But we are going to keep it moving. Tables turn. Uh, yeah, tables turn. We do it live <laughs> here. We don't edit. There's no mixes. No. We just keep it rolling. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with the main event. Our first main event of 2022. Calvin Cater defeating Giga Chikadze by unanimous decision. 50-45 on two of the judges' scorecards and 50-44 on one. Um, I kind of lean more towards that 50-44. I think the biggest storyline coming out of this fight, though, is Calvin Cater flipping the script on basically what was done to him last Mm -hmm. year by Max Holloway, um, basically giving Giga a very similar beating here. Mm -hmm. Um, Very dominant. Uses jab well and really kind of wrote the book on how you beat a guy like Giga Chikadze. Yeah, man, it was scary. I seen somebody tweet that there was a round that could have been a 10 7 in their eyes. Yeah, like, probably. Um, and I think I seen also that it was like 364 days since the max fight, like almost. Yeah, I think, yeah. A full yeah. year. So it's like. You know, you know, Brandon was somebody who was talking, which he's not here to talk about it, but he was somebody who was big on how, you know, Cater's going to come back and if he's going to be damaged by it or yeah. if it was going to slow him down, and it didn't. I mean, it, it definitely sparked a fire in him, and he was the underdog all week. Um, a lot of people weren't giving him a shot, and, I mean, we all picked against him. Yeah, well, and, you know, in the, in the post-fight presser, you know, they did ask Dana about, you know, the year off and, you know, and basically Dana said like he needed to take that year off. And mm-hmm. I, I think it sounds like he's basically kind of going to make Giga do the same thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, when you take that a beating like that, and then I think you take that time to go back, reassess yourself as a fighter. I'm sure it gets deeper than that. I mean, you probably mm-hmm. have to reassess a lot as a human being, you know, yeah. just there's, there's real feelings and real things go, you know, he has a family I'm sure. And, and you have to decide, you know, is this something I want to keep doing? And then you got to go back to the gym mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there's all these different factors. Um, but man, how, how inspirational and inspiring to see a guy like that then come out and do the exact same thing. Almost like I said, that was done to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, really from the moment, in the first round, Giga threw a kick and he kind of slipped. Yeah, and it was really unfortunate because that's kind of where the whole fight turned, right? Yeah, uh, because Cater was never um, 
from that, or Cater jumped on him, and Giga could not get him off him. And then as soon as that round was over, you could tell noticeably by that point, Giga was gassed. Yeah. You know, he was tired um, and just never really fully recovered after that uh, yeah, it's cardio un- dump, I guess. It, it's unfortunate because, you know, that's one of those fights that, because you know how good Giga is, you're like, well, if he doesn't slip. Because, right. you know, the rest of the takedown attempts didn't really work very much for Cater. He, had, right. he, he attempted a lot. But he didn't really get to him a lot. But, right. you know, it, it's all kind of hearsay for that. But that's definitely the turning point. Once that happened, you know, he had to think about the takedown. He kept his hands down. He started just, like, kind of dropping his head to try to take punches on the forehead and kind of move his chin around so he wasn't, right. you know, having to use his hands to block stuff. And couldn't get the kicks off because he was getting crowded. And right. I think that even though he didn't get any more takedowns, he would grab at him. He would hold him against the fence. And those mm-hmm. things wear on you and stifle a lot of your game plan. You can't throw kicks because he usually switches to throw them. Yeah, and I just think that, you know, it is a blueprint to an extent. But I think there's also a thing of, you know, he was firing back some big shots still. Yeah, yeah. He did crack Calvin a lot. And, and you know, maybe kind of a lesser man with a, a lesser yeah. chin or ability. We've seen it. Could have gone down there for sure. I, I do agree with that. Um, but just overall, uh, just total dominance, mm-hmm. total from from Cater. And, um, yeah, man, just, just I don't know. It just To me, I'm just so, like, I think that's just so fascinating when it's like you just go out and completely stifle a guy's whole game. Like, you know, and, yeah. and you could just see the panic on Giga's face, especially as early as that second round when he, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, his head movement, his footwork, everything was just gone. I mean, you know, he was just literally like dipping his head constantly. And, yeah. Um, just, just no real technique. Um, and, and for a guy like Calvin Cater now, um, who I think he was ranked number five, yeah. didn't lose much stock after that max fight, um, really puts him right back into the mix, mm-hmm. uh, as a, um, featherweight contender. Yeah, no, he, uh, you know, it definitely gives you a big appreciation for Max, obviously, because, you know, Cater's a really good, I mean, boxing is what he hangs his hat on, and he got, you know, you can see that there's levels, and obviously in this one, you've seen the level for Cater, but then you see the level for Max now, where it's like, dang, there's even more, you know, the echelons is definitely a lot higher for somebody like Max, but it just lets you so lets you know how good Cater is, because he put on a similar performance against somebody else. Yeah, very true. Uh, Brandon just rejoined us via his cell phone. Uh, <laughs> Brandon, we were uh, just kind of talking about the main event. Um, I'm sure we probably got it all out there, but before we do move on, anything you want to say about the main event? Um, can you guys hear me okay? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, so um, for me, as awesome as Cater looked, it just seemed like a big testament. I don't know what you guys said, but it seemed like a big testament to – how good Max is almost just because Cater looked really good and he did what I think Cater does best, which is apply that pressure. And he displayed some good boxing and actually some good jujitsu too, which I thought was interesting because he's only a blue belt. I didn't even know that, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, man, that it just really goes to show where Max is at um, compared to the rest of the field. And, and Cater looked good, man. And he answered those questions I had for him. Um, so I'm excited to see where he goes next because he looked, he looked really good. So so, you know, one thing I had mentioned was uh, Dana and his post-fight had kind of uh, spoke to how important it probably was for Cater to take that year off um, after the Max beating. And so to now see him kind of do it and Giga being on the receiving end of it. And, and I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures. I know John has because you sent it. Of, after the fight, they took a picture together and Giga just looks rough, man. Um, and, yeah. and Cater looks pretty clean. Um 
But, you know, do you think now Giga should take a page out of Cater's book and probably take some serious time off? Um, because I, I, I guess I, I too, like, I don't really know, like, he can't really necessarily get better. I feel like he is still the better striker. I think he even displayed that early in that fight. You could tell he was the faster, more crisp uh, striker. Just that slip and then being on his back for so long kind of gas. So maybe he needs to work on that. Um I don't really know, though. I just feel like it was the perfect game plan from Cater. So maybe, you know, you reassess your game a little bit on how you utilize your weapons. I thought maybe he could have used some more leg kicks, um, uh, you know, especially as Cater was walking forward and just continuously walking him down. But what what do you think about that? You know, should he take a year off or, you know, what do you think? I think so. I think he should take a year off. Um, I think he had a pretty good year, all things considered. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of this, um, this loss to Cater. And I think the time off, especially after a B and like that, is, is only going to be helpful. Um, and I think he does need to do some some reassessment because um, we had talked about the cardio last week, and I think it really kind of showed. And maybe a lot of that had to do with being on the ground for as long as he was. But yeah. um, he definitely did seem to gas right after that first round. And I just – we got to wonder how much of that's because he was just getting so used to, you know, getting guys away very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think somebody mentioned last week too that he did that, you know, blitz real – quick blitz a lot and you weren't a fan um and he did that same thing with cater and it really did not go his way um it seemed like every time he was blitzing in he was getting caught and that could just be a testament to cater but um i i just don't think that's going to work for him very well um the higher up the ladder he goes so yeah i knew i knew the blitzing thing I knew Cater was going to make him pay for that, and he, and he did. Um, and then as as Giga continued to get tired, the head movement stopped. I mean, it was just more like it was just he was just there to be hit even more. Um, credit to him for still coming forward, though. He's tough as nails, and a guy like Calvin Cater, I'm sure he earned his respect, who's an equally tough guy. Um, yeah. and, and it's nice to learn that about Giga. And I think it was uh, Cruz, Dominic Cruz maybe on com- – or one of the guys on commentary said – uh, for a guy like Giga, you know, when you lose like that, you learn so much and how good he is. He's good. I mean, he's still going to be – I mean, sky is still the limit for Giga in this division. Um, mm-hmm. But he's going to grow so much from that, and I, and I do believe that. Um, and But we were just saying right as you were getting back on too is then for Cater, he was ranked number five going into it. Um, and, you know, he's a fresh matchup for Volk, and we'll see. But uh, he's right back in the mix. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of good matchup for him, I think, um, too. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I guess we'll see how the zombie vault plays out and what they do with Max, mm-hmm. too. Sure. Yeah, I was, I, last little thing on it, I was very impressed with the use of elbows. You don't see that a lot in the short. His spinning, uh, yeah. Cater's spinning attacks were phenomenal. Well, even too. just the short ones, when he realized that he wasn't going to knock yeah. Giga out with the punches, he just started <laughs> like throwing one hooks. With yeah. elbows, yeah. And, um, I, you know, you can tell when somebody's game plan is completely nullifying you when your coach is telling you, like, recover, run, yeah, throw a jab, like, right. don't throw kicks, don't point. do these things you're doing. I think, you know, Rafael Caldera had to really scramble to try to figure out what do I do to get my guy back into this Right after that, you know, second round where it's like, okay, well, we're not going to get our kicks off. What are we going to do now? So, testament to that, that camp. They really needed this win. You know, Rob Font had that tough loss with Aldo. No, Cater had the fight with Max, so they needed this bounce back for that team for sure. Yes, and then in our co-main event, boys, Jake Collier defeating Chase Sherman by submission, rear naked choke. Um, in round one, excuse me, um, 
you know, for Jake Collier, obviously he's a guy that is kind of known more for knocking people out when he does win. Uh, so it was kind of kind of a cool little <laughs> sequence there that he got to end up on his back and, and choke him out. And I saw a little post-fight clip where he said, you know, he kind of has had a horrible month first start to the year, like totaled his car, got pneumonia and COVID. His coach couldn't even make it out for the fight. So uh, good for Jake, Jake Collier. Um, Justin Toffa called him out at the end. I loved his little rebuttal saying, I hope he can make weight. Obviously, yeah. people that don't know, Justin Toffa just was the first UFC heavyweight in history to miss weight. Uh, so I love that. Utilizes Mike Time great um, and kind of made him a guy kind of to watch this year. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the limit ceiling is for him, but I, I like Justin got, Collier, or Jake Collier. He's got fast hands. and I, He's I, fast. What I didn't know from then I heard it from the commentating crews, he started out as yeah. a middleweight. Yeah, and, and then, fought at 205 too a little bit. Yeah, and then yeah. worked his way up to being now at right. 264. Um, yeah, he's a big dude. But his, his hands are really fast. And, um, I mean, he... He got to that choke pretty slick, and you know I'm. I think he's just another one of those. You know, as we're trying to cycle out some of these older heavyweights or these guys that's kind of been losing three and winning one. He's a, a breath of fresh air, and mm-hmm. some of these middle tier, low tier guys that are trying to work their way up. Something uh, interesting that I thought was um, he was obviously he he seemed bigger um, in that fight. Like the the body differences or the body types, I guess, between the two of them was pretty noticeable for me. And um, Collier, when he was on the ground, I was really kind of surprised with how how active he was. Mm-hmm. A lot of times with heavyweights, once they hit the ground, they're they're kind of just you know hanging out and chilling and trying to wait until the next big transition or it gets stood up. Yeah. Um, but he was pretty active. He got to mount and was landing some really big shots and forced the turn to take his back. So I really like seeing that out of heavyweights. So. Held, held Matt mount really well as too. I mean, mm-hmm. Sherman had a really big kick off the cage there, and uh, Collier utilized great technique to hold mount there. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely didn't seem like he was completely lost in that position. Um, so, yeah, good for Jake Collier. Uh, next fight, Brandon Royval defeating Rogerio Bontarin by split decision, 29-28 across all three judges' scorecards. Um, I was telling John last night, do not agree with this decision. Um, I actually felt like uh, Rogerio Bontarin won this fight. Um, the only thing, and I, and I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on it, is I told John, I guess if there's any kind of like – I, I give it to him, or maybe it's okay he won. Is I do think Bone Tureen tapped to that arm bar. Uh, I want to get both of your guys' thoughts on if you thought he tapped, though. Yeah, I definitely thought he tapped. I, it would be, Especially because the timing of when he straightened out yeah. and they tied that, that pressure, yeah. that's when you reach out and tap. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, it also, you know, for Brandon, he's so – I've never seen somebody just say no to being on their back as as much as him. Like yeah, he's he's a wiry guy. He was on a hundred percent off of his back, and he just couldn't really be held to, held down. And right. then, you know, he was going for that omoplata a lot, and then he worked that over into the armbar that I thought he got the tap in. But definitely a really good fight. I mean, it's it's a tale of like somebody who's a hundred miles an hour and somebody who was waiting and countering and holding and being real strong. So it was a really exciting fight. But yeah, no, I I think the tap happened, but. If since I think that I'm okay with the decision, so let me let me ask you this because I, I I was kind of going back and forth with it. I could I could see it both ways. Absolutely, I don't think in any way that Brandon ran away with it. But when I started processing it more and I kind of watched it again, at least parts of it, my thinking was because Brandon was so active when he was on the ground, and so yes, um, his like he would get taken down. But once they were on the ground, it seemed as though Brandon to me was the active fighter. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was constantly throwing up omoplatas, throwing up triangles, 
transitioning. So to me, and I do you, uh, to me, it almost seemed like the judge is doing a good job of recognizing moments that were jujitsu oriented um, and they were offensive off the back. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I was thinking, but I don't know if I was just reading really far into it. Um, but I, like I said, I could see it going either way. I don't think that Brandon ran away with it. Obviously, mm-hmm. I could totally understand why you wouldn't give it to him. Um, but that's kind of what I thought the reason behind it would have been. Yeah. You saying that, I think I, I want to go back and watch it before I totally jump on that. But but it makes sense. Like, from what I – moments in the fight, I can remember. I mean, he is – he's just such a wiry dude, man. Um, when I think of Brandon Royval, I really do think he has everything to be a champion in that mm-hmm. division. He has the skill set. Um, I think he just needs to keep fighting. I think his fight IQ isn't quite where his skill set is maybe. Mm-hmm. So I think he puts himself in a lot of really compromised – positions that he doesn't necessarily have to and he does a lot of things that he doesn't necessarily have to um, which you know you don't want to take that all the way away from him because it is kind of who he is mm-hmm. um, but I'm really excited for him nonetheless um, th- like I said I at the end of the day I don't agree with the decision as of right now you saying that I have to think about it but I do think Bonterine tapped so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm completely okay with the win either way yeah and I think Brandon did a really good job you know I think he's putting himself in that you know, Nate Diaz, you know, the type of guys that I don't want to go into that guard because it's mm-hmm. not going to be comfortable and he might, you know, flip something up on me. I mean, that getting to that arm bar was very, very slick from sure. f- from mountain or from f- open guard into flipping it around to the arm bar. I thought that was really slick. So I think people are going to be they, they want to hold him down because he's so fire and he throws a lot of punches, but it's going to be hard to do that because he's so active. Then our next fight, boys, Caitlin Chukagian defeating Jennifer Maya via unanimous decision, 30-27 across all the judges' scorecards. Uh, literally how I thought this fight was going to go is exactly how it looked. Um, Caitlin Chukagian just continues to get better. Um, she's kind of, you, we've talked about it with some other fighters. She's becoming one of those fighters where every time she's in there, we're seeing new dynamics and elements of her game. Um, I thought this, this time out, um, her her striking has been the biggest jump that she's made in her career. This time, to me, it was the kicks and the mm-hmm. knees and, and ending combinations with those kicks and knees. Um, and uh, credit to Maya did ex- once again. If I, I knew I knew Maya was going to have her chances in that fight, and she was going to be tough. I mean, she's she's very powerful woman um, with with real power. Mm-hmm. And at times, you could tell she caught Caitlin pretty clean there. Um, but huge huge win for uh, Chukagian. What do you guys think of the fight overall? I thought it was. Yeah, really- go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I thought Caitlin looked really good. So, um, you know, as I was sitting there, and I think it was leading into the third round, I, I literally said out loud, "Like, man, Nate really just called this one like right on the tee." Um, it, like her striking, as you said, she just was landing more shots. She was definitely did a good job of using her range too, like you said, with the kicks, and she had really good jabs throughout. Um, I did think that when Maya landed, she was definitely the stronger yeah. or the more powerful hitter. Um, there were a few times where she really kind of whipped Caitlin around, but um, it, it really just didn't matter. Caitlin was able to kind of tough through it. And when she took her down too, um, she, it seemed like she had the advantage there, which I thought was going to yeah. be Maya's, um, Maya's kind of area to be, to be uh, successful. Um, so yeah, I mean, hats off to Caitlin, but uh, it, watching it too, man, the whole time you're watching these girls fight, I, to me, I'm thinking, okay, like what is one of them going to be, you know, bring to the table against Valentina again. Yeah. And so, and I don't want to diminish this win in any way because it was a fantastic win, but I, I asked myself that when I watch it and I still wonder, you know, I still wonder mm-hmm. if it's going to be anything that's 
can do it. Yeah, I think if um, if Valentina was to retire, there's a good chance Caitlyn probably gets the belt and runs it a little bit just because she's so long. She uses that so well. But here's the thing. There was multiple times in that fight where she literally just dropped her head and threw punches. Mm. She kept on doing this weird cover her face and then try to throw punch thing, like stuff you do in the gym, which you can get off on girls who aren't, you know, so sharp like Valentina, but you can't do that against somebody like her. So I do think her length still gives anybody a problem and her use of her teeps, her jab, and then even her ground game. I mean, she she did she held her own there too. So I think that's what she brings, but I don't know if it's enough. But still a very, very good win. One more thing I want to add to that is because I, I say all of that about not thinking that Caitlin showed me anything. But then again, we just watched Juliana Pena go in there and mm-hmm. prove everybody wrong right. by just being yeah. tougher. So there's there's nothing to say that that Caitlin can't maybe get a rematch and and shock me and prove me wrong. Like that, I am t- totally understand that that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but just again, just from watching that, is, that makes me wonder. I think you're you're right. You're spot on with that. I mean, that's kind of what I was gonna say too. I was gonna make the Juliana, <clears throat> excuse me, Pena reference there. Um, and she is very tough, and she's improved so much from the last Valentina fight. Mm-hmm that I think she deserves it again. I think she deserves another shot, uh, at least to take this skill set and this growth that we've seen and try to see what she can do and what, you know, well, if she can put it together on the night. I mean, that's all she has to do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Juliana Pena did it, um, and that's all she has to do. So sky's the limit for her. Only thing, uh, dilemma right now for Chukagian is that was the last fight on her contract. Um, so she is technically, as of right now, a free agent. Mm-hmm. I would imagine she's going to re-sign with the UFC. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know why she chose to fight her contract out, if they had already negotiated. I don't really know the details behind it, but mm-hmm. um, I think she can at least definitely now use a title shot as some leverage for yeah. a contract. Um, so I do expect her – I think I, I think she'll be next for Valentina. Yeah. Especially with her beating the contenders that are coming like close to where her ranking was. Like It's one of those things where you can't really argue it anymore and – you know, and you're definitely right as far as, I mean, because Maya gave, you know, Valentina a little bit of a better fight than Chikagian did her last fight. So to see, I mean, obviously styles make fights, but just to see growth and see how she handled that, it definitely makes um, that something for her to kind of bring up of for when she's trying to negotiate, trying to bet on herself um, with her contract being up. Boys, last fight. And the one that everybody should be excited about right now on Monday morning, Vyacheslav Barshov defeating Dakota Bush via TKO body punches or a body punch, excuse me. I love that guy, the Slava Claus. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, I like, um, I don't know, man. He, I'll be honest, Dakota Bush got him down, gave him some trouble, uh, but uh, Slav got off his back, got up, and Man, that body shot was filthy, and it was clean, man. I don't know if I've seen in recent memory, uh, man, I don't know if I've seen somebody drop from just a straight like left hook to the liver like that in a long time. That mm-hmm. was a clean, clean shot. Yeah, and from the only the, one that comes to mind is Kuchiagi. Um, to Yeah, that's the only one I can yeah. think of. yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think... Um, but even that, like, she kind of was like, ah, oh, you know, she kind of, like, mm-hmm. took a minute to... F- I mean, this dude, he just hit and just, cr- like, fell, like, front-rolled over. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, from the initial angle, it looked weird. Like, it was hard to tell what happened. Also, 
I think he's probably tied with Valentini with best uh, post fight dance because <laughs> that was killing me. He was the Dude, knees. He got must, some real moves, man. Yeah, those knees must be a one because there's no way I'm getting that low and throwing my. Oh feet yeah, around. dude. He got the he got the Meg knees for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely, definitely excited for Slob, uh, Vicha Slob, man. Uh, Slob, that's what they call him. So that's why I was like, oh, I like that they Vicha Slob, they just shorten it to Slob. So that's like his nickname, I guess. So I'm excited to see what he does this year. Boys, that is it from UFC Fight Night, unless you guys have anything else that I missed. Any other undercard fights, anything like that? Good fight. Well, before we move on, Brandon, update us on our scores from last night. Okay, so... Currently, as it stands in last place, I have zero points. I didn't oh. get anything last night. Wait, 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 um, wait. Yeah, yeah, John. Oh, what? No. Nope. Rusty or Rusty. Um, we are second Rusty. Place, second place, John, you have one point. And Nate, you came away with three points. So For the three, points, three points to Nate, one to John, and zero for me. There it is. We pick again, boys, and mm-hmm. it's no better time than this Saturday, UFC 270, January 22nd at the Honda Center. Center, excuse me, not the Center. <laughs> the Honda Center. The, the Honda Center, baby. <laughs> In Anaheim, California, boys. Little fun fact about Anaheim. Uh-huh. It was actually started by a German, well, 50 German families, excuse me, um, back in the 1800s, and it was named after the nearby Santa Anna River in Chaim, which is the German word for home, hmm. Anaheim. Nice. Brandon, did you know that? Absolutely not. And I like the German pronunciation, too. That was actually really nice. I have no idea if that's real. Yeah. I just- <laughs> <laughs> just it sounded if it is, I mean, convince me. Well, I mean, that's the only accent he's like so far. So that is true. He is he's a big German guy. Um, uh, boys, our main event. This is one that we've all been looking forward to uh, since it was announced. Uh, Surreal Gone, the interim champion versus Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champion, the undisputed. We're unifying these two belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys, Surreal Gone has probably had one of the more impressive rises to the UFC title in recent memory. Uh, he's currently a perfect 10-0 in his career, and his last fight was the third-round TKO over Derek Lewis for the heavyweight title in August of last year. Uh, Francis's last fight was in March of last year where he beat Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight title. Uh, Francis is on a five-fight win streak, um, just absolutely decimating everyone that gets put in front of him. Um, obviously, didn't fight last year because of the whole scheduling conflicts and everything that was going on, um, whatever happened there. Uh, oh, Brandon, we're getting some really rough feedback from you. I'm going to turn you down for a minute, man. Um, worth mentioning, these two were actually training partners for a while. Both started under Fernand Lopez. Surreal still trains under Fernand. Uh, but obviously, Francis left a few years back to train under Eric Nixick at Extreme Couture. Um, there was the whole video recently where Francis was walking backstage uh, after a UFC fight, and uh, they ran into Surreal Gone and team with uh, Fernand Lopez. Um, this fight is personal. You know, they didn't make eye contact. Surreal Gone and Lopez, they, you know, they kind of feel a certain way. This fight's personal. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, these two uh, do not like each other for whatever reason, um, but I just want to know overall your guys' thoughts on this massive, massive main event because this is a big one. I'm super stoked. Um, I don't, I, just in terms of the styles itself, like just starting there, 
Um, like Francis is a dude that hits harder than anybody else in the UFC. Right. I think that's right. actually mathematic, mathematically correct. Um, and gone is just a guy that doesn't get hit very often. And he's very versatile. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about it for a long time. He's sort of like a new breed of heavyweight in terms of his ability yeah. to move in and out, um, his, his kicks and his, in his, I think his grappling is really good as well. Um, so I'm just, I, I'm just super fascinated by the matchup, man. Like I, it could, it could go so many different ways. So I'm just really excited to see what happens. Yeah. And it's been a minute since we've had a bad blood fight that, isn't like a trilogy or, you know, something that we've already seen before. It's been a long time since we've had this fresh buildup of we're finally going to see these guys kind of settle it out. And, um, yeah, I couldn't be more excited, man. I think when you talk about heavyweights, you talk about fireworks. And when you talk about people who don't like each other in heavyweights, you're talking about people swinging with intent. And when you talk about that with Francis, you're talking about highlights. And when you're talking about somebody like Surreal, he's going to have to stay out of the way of those, and we'll see how long it goes. Yeah, one thing, Brandon, you were kind of hitting it there that I wrote down is I just think Surreal Gone is the new standard of heavyweights. I think he is going to be the way in the direction that the sport's heading with the bigger guys. I think we're already kind of starting to see it right with, you know, some of the guys like Tom Aspinall and mm-hmm. um, I'm drawing a blank, but, you know, some of these younger guys that are coming in right now, bigger guys, but they're way more athletic, faster, stronger, well-rounded. Um He's just kind of the direction that the the division's moving, in my opinion. Um, But I think the biggest headline going into this fight is uh, Francis Ngannou's contract situation. Um, Obviously, he's very unhappy with the money. He's the UFC's paying him. Uh, He's refused to to resign and instead has opted uh, to fight out his deal. Um, Now, there's a couple outcomes here. If Francis wins, the UFC holds a one-fight option. So he has to fight one more fight if he wins the title, retains the title, excuse me, um, on Saturday night. Um, So his contract technically would not expire. But if he loses, his contract would be expired, and he would be seemingly um, a free agent. And I'm going to guess he's going to lose a lot of leverage at that point. Uh, He said he doesn't want to fight for only $500,000 to $600,000 anymore, and he wants boxing options with his new contract. Um, Hard not to think that this all is not going to be a big distraction for Nganu. Going into probably one of the biggest fights of his career. I mean, maybe the Stipe was a little bigger just because you're winning the title, but this is his first title defense. Uh, It's against a former training player. These two have literally trained together. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, there's footage of it. You can go watch it. Um, Like I said, just there's already so much personal stuff as it is that now I feel like you're throwing business and what do you guys think? It's hard not to be distracted, right? If you're Francis. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, there's, there's two type of people. There's people who do this and, you know, we talk about other heavyweights like Derek Lewis talking about fighting in his hometown, being a big thing that ate up his mind and changed his performance. This could be that thing. Um, it's, it's, you know, your whole future is kind of on the line here. If you, you knock him out in big fashion, you have all the leverage, you have the belt. Uh, I mean, even if they have that option, you could just say, I don't want the belt strip me. I mean, there's, there's weird things that could go into this. So I definitely think that he's got, um, probably a lot on his mind, but maybe he uses that to fuel his training and get this big win so he can be the guy and have all the leverage. So it just depends on how he works through it. Does any does any of this to you guys give you the like maybe the sense or just an idea that maybe it, it gives Ngannou a reason to not try as hard? 
No, I'm. I don't know, man. It's tough, you know, because like Tyson Fury, right, just came out and he wants to box in Ganyu, and so maybe if he looks at it as like uh, he wants to move in that direction, then yeah, maybe. I, I do. I do sincerely, deeply feel like Francis Ngannou wants to be in the UFC. I think he wants to be the UFC heavyweight champion. I'm all for him getting more money. I don't think he's going to get boxing options. Um, that to me is a little odd. But I don't think it's something that he could kind of use as an excuse to, like, not try. Because you, you're meaning, like, you think he maybe wants to lose? I don't know that he necessarily wants to lose. But I just wonder. I, I don't know much about his management and that whole situation. But yeah. I just wonder if the – and this is me just thinking out loud. But I just wonder if, like, him thinking about not getting what he's worth in terms of money, then you throw in the fact that Dana is Dana. And a lot of times people don't get what they want when they start going down that road. And he wants to box. Dana probably isn't going to want to let him box. And he's already, as you said, fighting a teammate. Um, there's bad blood. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of reasons for him to, I, I guess, in, in one sense, not want this to work out because he's so unhappy with just everything that's going on. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would say is maybe it gives him an out if he does happen to lose. Maybe if he feels like, you know, you know, we've trained together, we have good back and forth. It gives you an out when you go, oh, well, I wanted to go do boxing anyway or yeah. whatever. That's about it. But I do think that, you know, you know, Connor's the only guy who's been able to stay under UFC and go box. And obviously there was a lot of money made there from a lot of people. Sure. So if he wins in a big knockout and he can get somebody like Tyson Fury, I don't know what Dana will do. Dana wanted to do boxing a while back and offered Anthony Joshua like $500 million for five fights or something crazy like that. So... I mean, there's a lot of things that go into this, and there's a lot of moving pieces. So, you know, it could be a distraction for everybody. I'm so, I'm so conflicted, kind of moving into the picks now. I'm so conflicted because a part of me kind of wants to root for Francis here because I do, I do want to see him hold his kind of. I mean, he's going out, he's betting on on himself, and I want to see him hold all the chips. Right, you know, I want him to have the leverage, and he he should be making more than if he feels like he deserves more than he should make that. You know, he should make more, and 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 like John just said, I mean, we've seen guys with boxing options, like well, I mean, a guy, I guess Connor, but um, you know, who's to say Francis isn't couldn't be that same size of a star? However, um, I just don't think this is the fight for Francis, man. Uh, I I do see a situation where he catches gone early. I mean, that's just – that will always exist, exist Excuse me, with Francis Ngannou. Um, but I think Surreal gone, he can move, he can dance for five rounds. Um, he, he has seen Francis Ngannou in front of him, uh, which I think removes a lot of that initial fear that some guys could have being in the cage with him initially. Um, he, he knows kind of more of what to expect. And the ground, I just can't get over the, the – where I think he's going to hold the biggest advantage, obviously, which is going to be on the ground. Not to say I don't think he could piece Francis up and, and make him look silly on the feet either, um, but I think he's going to find a way to get Francis to the ground. I think it's going to have to be a little later, um, but I'm, I I see Surreal gone fourth-round submission. Yeah, so for me, um, I definitely think gone has more tools to win, um, and I like what you said about him on the ground as well. I think that that is somewhere where he definitely holds the biggest advantage. And based off his most recent fight against Lewis, he showed his ability to evade that power. And I get that Lewis and Ngannou are a little different, but they're also very similar. Um, so I'm going to say gone. I'm going to, I think he's going to stop him as well. I'm going to go with uh second round TKO. Nice. 
Well, <clears throat> I'm going to ride what got me to my championship last year. I'm going with the X Factor guy. I'm going with Francis. Um, I think, you know, if you look at his career, he either finishes everybody or he loses a decision. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if this could even get to a decision because the way these guys, I mean, the way Surreal does, he can pick people apart and kind of drag things out. Um, but I do think that, you know, some of the things that you see in Francis in the Stipe fight, he threw a, some, a couple really solid leg kicks. If you land those against, you know, Surreal, he could stop some of that movement, make him a little bit more of a stationary target. And I think he gets a second round TKO. Boys, our co-main event for the men's flyweight title, Brandon Moreno versus Davidson, Figgy Figueiredo. Uh, no doubt I'm extremely excited for this division. I've said it a bunch. Um, so I'm super pumped that we're kicking the year off with the title fight. It's going to open everything up when uh, we know who wins Saturday night. Um, it uh, It's going to be – this is a trilogy, so it's the third time these guys have matched up. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the first fight ended in a draw, and Brandon Moreno won the last fight by a third-round rear naked choke in June of last year to win the flyweight title. Uh, these two match up great together. The first two two fights were very entertaining, and no reason to not expect that here, boys. Oh yeah, I think um, it's interesting because before that fight, uh, Davison had never been finished. Um, neither one of them had at that point. Brandon still hasn't. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. I'm not a big fan of this weird narrative that Davison's going with, with trying to get revenge for Cejudo and. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. I don't like it for him. I, you know, yeah. I, I know that camp is good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I do know they have so many corny storylines sometimes that yeah. just make it really hard to But they to produce champions. People. Yeah, they do. I mean, it, that Captain Eric dude is corny too. But, you know, to have both the Pitbull brothers, obviously Costa's never won it. But Cejudo, I mean, they've got a good mm -hmm. stable of fighters. For sure. I, I think that this is definitely an interesting fight. I, you know, I don't think that Moreno really doesn't have any pressure here. It's weird to say, but I don't. As I don't feel champion, like. Yeah, yeah, you know, he doesn't have. You know, because he he fought back. He got here. He's already overachieving in a lot of people's eyes. Whereas Davison was supposed to kind of run it for a while, and he was, you know, just putting people away and had this kind of boogeyman thing of keeping his hands down and just having that red stripe through his head, throwing big punches. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how he approaches this fight and if he's a little bit more patient or, you know just puts a little bit more into his game plan than just going forward and throwing big punches because it did not work this last fight. So I actually just watched the rematch like right before we started recording. Um, I just wanted to throw it on real quick because I, I, it's been a minute since I had seen that. And that's completely made up my mind for what I'm going to choose going into this one. So um, I'm definitely taking Moreno. Um, I think he's actually going to finish in the second round via submission again. Um, that fight for me, this the rematch specifically, um, Moreno just really showed um, improvements, but he also, like in terms of his adjustments, but the biggest thing for me was his his advantage on the ground, at least it seemed to me. Once he got um, Figgy's back or he was on top, man, he was just doing work and he was able to outscramble um, and he dropped him once. So he knows he can drop him. He knows he can beat him on the ground. And he, I mean, he came back and did it. So I just think, this is definitely Moreno's fight to lose, um, and I think that's going to be the case in the in the trilogy. I, I agree. I'm going Moreno too. I, you know, I, I really 
same thing with the Francis. You know, Figueredo has that X factor of, of being able to drop guys. And he, like John said, he, he had this crazy kind of mystique for a while of, of just like, okay, he's going to run this division for a long time. Uh, but there's just too much to me in the ground. And, and, and I, I'll go with third round. Um, I'll say TKO uh, because I do think he's going to finish him on the ground, but I think it could be with punches. I'm going to take Brandon, obviously, as well. Um, But I'm going to go unanimous decision. I think Davison does make some adjustments and tries to maybe initiate his grappling first or, you know, try to find ways to turn things in his favor. But I think Moreno has such a good gas tank, you know, being at the – he's training in Vegas now, right? At the, yeah, at the PI. He's yeah. got like a little setup there. Yeah, he's, yeah. you know, went from a garage to doing that. And it's, I mean, it's paid off dividends. We've seen it in the last fight. And uh, I think he can he can kind of do what he does throughout the whole fight, but I have him by unanimous decision. Um, also on this card, not really. This card's kind of weird, you know. The Michelle Pereira, uh, he was supposed to be on last night's card or this past Saturday's. He got moved to next this Saturday's. Mm-hmm. I don't even know the guy he's fighting. I, I didn't recognize his name, uh, so forgive me for not writing it down. Greg Hardy was supposed to fight Alexio Linick. Then Alexio Linick fell off. Sergey Spivak stepped in and then now greg hardy's fallen off mm-hmm. uh he hurt his finger he posted the pictures it was really nasty um so i'm not really sure much more about this main card however um Ilya tapira uh who's 11 and 0 he's a guy that we featured last uh year for mm-hmm. one of our fights uh he's fighting charles jordan and i'm i really think Ilya tapira is a, a guy to look out for this year so he's mm-hmm. on the prelims as of right now the way they're moving these cards and, and switching the orders up, it's just so hard to know, guys. I mean, when we recorded our episode last week, Caitlin Chukagian and Jennifer Mayo were the co-main event yeah. for this past Saturday, and they got moved to, like, the second fight on the card, so or third fight. So uh, we'll see. But either way, that main and co-main event is worth the price mm-hmm. of admission this Saturday night. Boys, we are going to move into our next segment. Um, I don't really know to call this a game. Um This is eventually going to be a game, and the way I started this was a game, Um, and then I kind of flipped it because I feel like it being in the beginning of the year, um, I just kind of want to see what you guys think of some of these matchups that could be on the horizon. Some of these are actual matchups that I think could be on the books for this year. Some of them a little bit fantasy. Um, I don't think they'll ever happen, but I thought it'd be fun, but this will be a game eventually, so it's called Sleep, Bury, Lose. Um, and, uh, when I say Barry, so, uh, dominate basically like, so I'm going to give you a fighter. So if I said Habib Nurmagomedov, and then I said like Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler, you would, out of those three, you would have to tell me which ones Khabib would sleep. So knock out Barry, like he would just absolutely run through them shockingly, like dominate them. And then which one you think he could lose to, um, the game that this is going to be is going to be sleep, sub, lose, um, in which I'm going to give you guys a fighter and then three people that they've actually lost to. One, they've been knocked, they knocked out, they subbed, and somebody they lost to. And then you guys are going to have to tell me, but this is not that game. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. I just want your guys' opinions on some of these <clears throat> potential fights for 2022. And we are going to start it out with John Jones. And his opponents, three potentials for sleep, bury, lose. Surreal gone. Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic. John, we will start with you. Out of those three, mm. who do you think John Jones would sleep? <clears throat> Barry, mm-hmm. which one would he lose to? Okay. Hmm. 
this is this is interesting because I think do, all three of these guys are on yeah, the table for John Jones in 2022 for sure. And you know, you know, like we say with heavyweights, it's one one punch changes everything. Yep. So I'm gonna go uh, sleep. I'm gonna go Stepe. You think he'll knock out Stepe? Yeah, I think maybe just having a step back, having trouble with some of these, you know, with the Francis knockout. I mean, some people don't rebound well from that. Um, for Barry. I'm actually going to go surreal. I think they match up similarly, and I think that John just has way more um, experience. And lose, I'm going with Francis because I just think getting hit by somebody like that is just a whole different ball game. Okay, so I'm going to go with my turn, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to go with sleep. Um, Stipe, uh, same thing. I think that Stipe's chin is probably going to be a little weaker since losing to Ngannou. Um, I'm going to go with Barry Ngannou. Um, I just think Ngannou's shown that he has a deficit in wrestling, and Jones is a really good wrestler if he uses it, which he hasn't so much lately. Um, but I could see him, if he really wants to turn it on, just taking Ngannou down and just and just holding him there and beating him up. And um, I think he would most likely lose to Gon, I think, because Jones is a really great athlete, and I think he struggled with athletes. For example, Dominique Reyes, um, there's been a few fights that Jones has had that have been a little – little lackluster and they've been against guys who are very active and very, very versatile and gone is definitely that. So I could see gone taking it away from Jones. My list is exactly Brandon's. Yeah. I think knocks out Stipe. I think he could run through Nganu and I think surreal gone would definitely, definitely give him the most problems. Our next fighter, Kamara Usman, three opponents for sleep, Barry kill Leon Edwards, Hamzat Shimaev and Dustin Poirier. Mm. Johnny Boy, who you got? This is interesting. Leon Edwards, Hamzat Shimaev, and Dustin Poirier. All three potential. One of them more than 100%. We'll get to that in the news, but <laughs> as his next fight. But all three of these yeah. potential opponents, possibly. I'm going to go sleep Hamzat. I think he could beat him. I'm not saying he would run through him, but, I mean, he's the pound-for-pound best fighter. I mean, you can't say anybody for sure. Uh, Barry, I'm going to go with Dustin. Just being smaller, you know, Dustin's been getting hit a lot recently. You can't let Camaro hit you. And then lose, I think Leon Edwards has a lot of tools, man, and I think his striking is really, really nice, so I think I would put him there. Okay, so... Um, I'm going to go with sleeps Leon because Leon for me, what did it was Diaz catching him at the end of their, of their five round fight at the very end where he got wobbled real hard. If Usman hits you like that, you're going night, night. Um, and then Barry is Poirier for the similar reasons. Poirier's small. He's really tough and durable, but he's just going to be the smaller guy. And I think Usman toys with him and I have to go with my X factor because it was my bold prediction. Um, I think Hamzat can take it away. I just think Hamzat might have the strength in the wrestling and the tenacity to just go in there and get Newsman's face and just and just beat him up. Um, so that's going to be my that's my bold prediction for the year. I have to keep it. So mine was actually different. We all three went different here. I say he sleeps Dustin. Um, I just think he's the bigger, longer guy. Um, and kind of like we saw with Masvidal, I, I just see that very similar. Uh, I think Leon Edwards, is, I, I think he buries Leon Edwards. Um, I just, my, and I'm not saying I'm picking Leon Edwards uh, if and when these two eventually fight, but 
or I'm not picking Leon Edwards. But as of right now, I just I feel like if Leon it's going to come down to Usman because I think if Usman tries to stand with Leon, it's going to be a long night for Usman. But I don't think Usman's dumb enough to try to stand with Leon, who's probably one of the best strikers in that division. Um, so I think he just kind of dominates him, wears on him, and just kind of runs through Leon Edwards, who he's already beat, and basically did it in that same fashion. Um, and then I just have this feeling, boys, that <laughs> Hamzat Shemaev is going to beat Kamara Usman. Uh, so yeah, I say he loses to Hamza Shimaev, which is absolutely crazy. Let me just throw that out. Like that's my pick, but it's <laughs> the fact that I'm saying that he out of Leon Edwards and Dustin Poirier that I say Hamzat's the one that he loses to is yeah. ridiculous. But no, I mean, that's I'm drinking the punch of Hamzat and I can't <laughs> help it. I'm sorry, uh, boys. The next fighter we got Charles Oliveira. His three opponents for sleep, bury, and lose: Justin Gaethje, Islam Makhachev, and Max Holloway. Mm. Ooh, because I do think, I do think Max Holloway moves to one fifty five this year, and that's win or lose against Volk. Mm-hmm. I would say Charles Oliveira. I think he sleeps Islam. I just think he has more tools, and I think that he just is a bad matchup for him as far as having the grap level of grappling that he has. I think that he buries Gaethje because I just don't – with the Chandler and the Poirier fights, I just feel like he – Charles Oliveira did better than what Gaethje tried to do in those fights. And then I have him potentially losing to Max because Max is just such a high-level striker, man, That and, and Charles Oliveira isn't a huge 55-er like somebody like a Dustin who could go up to 70. I don't think Oliveira can make it a welterweight. I think he – if he was to try to do something – different he'd have to go down so I think Max would match up a little bit better than him than he did with Poirier so I would say that I would say he sleeps Islam he buries Justin and then he loses to potentially loses to Max okay um this is tough this is actually a really tough one for me I thought this was the hardest one I I think he sleeps Gaethje but I don't think he hits I don't think he knocks him out I think he I think he chokes him out um I think he Barry's Max. Um, I think he just would be able to out wrestle Max and keep. And once he gets Max on the ground, I feel like he would just really own him there. And then I think I have to go with loses to Islam because I've been riding with Islam this whole time. And I think that Islam might have the anti wrestling to deal with the jiu jitsu. Um, I know he's been knocked out once, but I just have a feeling we see a ground war between those two. And I think he might pull it off. Mine is exactly Brandon's. Once again, you guys dating uh, or something? Sleeps, sleeps, Gagey, buries Max, and loses to Islam. Boys, our last category. We can't forget about the ladies. Oh, no. I had one more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forgot I had one more for the fellas. I'm about to get my water out. Oh, that was bad. That was cringe. <laughs> That's got to get clipped up. Come on, man. I think my face is legitimately turning red. <laughs> You know what? Screw you guys. I'm moving to the ladies now. I'm skipping it. Oh, oh gosh. Oh no, I won't. I won't go out of order. My face is legitimately red. That was embarrassing. That was so cringy. Uh, boys, the next one: Piotr Jan, Sleepberry Lose, Aljamain Sterling, T.J. Dillashaw, and a wild card: Marab Dwavashili. Mm. 
This one's probably a little bit. I think it's actually Duavalovichelli. I just yeah. can't say it's like Duavalovichelli. I'll definitely be saying Marab. <laughs> yeah, um, just say Marab. <laughs> for I'm saying he uh, sleeps Dillashaw. He buries Aljamain again. I think he could lose to Marab. He's such a tough guy, really good chin, and his wrestling is really really scary. Um, and he's just another one of those guys that's just hard nosed and really hard to put away. And I think not that TJ is easy to put away, but I think that Jan has showed really, really good boxing, but not somebody. There's not been a person who's been able to like put him on his back, and I think that Marab is somebody who could definitely do that. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with sleeps Aljamain. I think he's just gonna come out for blood against Aljamain with just the bad blood and everything that's built up to this. Um, I think he he buries TJ. Um, I thought T, um, TJ lost to Sanhagen, and Piotr did really well against Sanhagen. Um, I think Piotr's gonna do the same if not worse to Dillashaw um and I think that he could lose um to Marab I think similar to what John said I think Marab could maybe give him some wrestling that could really give him some problems um so that would that'd be my pick uh we're different so I think he buries Aljo I think he just runs through Aljo in this next one to mm-hmm. be 100% honest um I think he sleeps Marab um uh, you know, we just saw like in the Marlon Marlon Marais <coughs> fight. Excuse me. You know, Marlon dropped Marab. Marab mm-hmm. that that ref was like so close to stopping that fight. Um, Marab just he's a guy that just goes in there, gets in the firefight, and I think Piotr is just a little bit too good of a striker, a little bit too technical. Um, you know, Marab could kind of draw him into that maybe, but I just don't think uh, Piotr Jan is that dude. Um, so I, I do think he could eventually catch and uh, knock out Marab probably pretty early as well. Um, I think he loses to TJ, man. I don't know why. I just I feel like that matchup um, just kind of favors TJ a little bit more. Um, I'm excited to see it. I think mm-hmm. we are going to see it this year, that matchup. Um, so we will see. Um, so, yeah, we were different on that one. Now we get to the lady. <laughs> <laughs> Last one here, boys, and then we'll get into the news. Kayla Harrison, Sleep, Barry Lose. Amanda Nunes, Holly Holm, and Chris Cyborg. Mm. I'm going to go Sleeps Cyborg. Um, just, I don't know. The Amanda fight, I've just never seen Cyborg get done like that. And obviously, you know, Kayla Harrison isn't Amanda, but she does have an X factor in her that can she can dominate people like that. I'd say she probably buries Holly Holm because I just think she's so much bigger. I think she's going to be really hard to deal with. And I think Amanda has potential to loot, to beat her. I mean, Amanda is still the greatest female fighter. And when she's on, she's, you know, 14 years running. So I would say that. I would say she sleeps Cyborg, buries Holly, and then could lose to Amanda. Every other question, I've, I've had my answers ready. I don't. <clears throat> you want me to go? I can do if you yeah. want more of our time. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so for this one, um, I'm a little different than John, um, <clears throat> but we're kind of similar on some. I just flipped to, I think Kayla Harrison buries Chris Cyborg. Um, to me, Cyborg has just lost a lot of that, you know, luster and, uh, or not, they just like everything we thought she was. I just, I don't see that her as that anymore for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, after what Amanda did to her, I think. Um, I do, I, I'll tell you what, man, I don't hate her and Holly as a matchup. I think Holly would do really well against Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison has definitely, definitely never faced uh, face, excuse me, a striker as good as Holly Holm. I would love to see that fight, but for this exercise, I do think that she sleeps Holly Holm. If I had to put 
you know, that in a category. I'll say it's more like Brandon. I don't think she's going to knock anybody out. We're probably looking at more like a choke out. Um, and then I think she loses to Amanda. I still think Amanda, uh, one of the best um, female fighter, or probably the best, not probably, the best female fighter of all time, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and at 145 pounds, I right. just think she'll just be a completely different animal. Uh, but I'm here to see it. I hope we see it. Okay, so this this is going to be probably a little weird. but I, So I think she... I think she sleeps Nunes. I think she, but I think it's again. I don't. I think it's a submission. I think she gets her on the ground and really just outworks her. Yeah, um, yeah and I think. I, and I think she buries Cyborg. Um, same thing. I think so. She can get a hold of Cyborg. She can really just give her a lot of problems. And th- that's kind of what was holding me up, man. I just have a feeling Holly could give her. Uh, yeah. The the problem that she hasn't ran into yet, and maybe yep. even catch her. Um, so I'm gonna go with Holly, man. I think she's got the striking just to to throw Kayla off and, and just maybe do it. Yeah. I don't think Holly Holm is getting talked about enough as a potential opponent for Kayla mm-hmm. Harrison because everybody wants to see the Amanda fight, but man, you know, Kayla, what she does is so good. And, you know, especially now we, I mean, we figured out, you know, Amanda take her down, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it is, man. Holly is just a different animal, man. And, uh, Kayla coming down to 145 pounds we haven't seen yet, right? She's always been 155. So it'd be mm-hmm. interesting, man. So many fun fights for her. We don't know where, you know, you could throw Kat Zingano in this as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Kat Zingano and Chris Cyborg now scheduled to fight each other. So yeah, if know. you could get two of these fights from each category to happen this year, oh, $75 like a fight, pretty, fine. I feel like it's pretty realistic. It. I feel like it's pretty realistic. So. Well, we don't know about John Jones. We don't know how that's going to. He says he says by the end of first quarter. So we'll hopefully see. by April yeah. we'll, we'll know. Uh, boys, let's hit the news. Because I'm an island boy. <laughs> well, did we take it off? Oh, no, it's this one. <laughs> oh, gosh. We are so rusty on the soundboard. I'm just glad I don't have to do it anymore. Woo. Woo. We'll get there. We're, we're going to figure this thing out again. Uh, boys, what a difference a week can make in the world of the UFC. Last mm-hmm. week, we told you guys about UFC 272 being headlined excuse me, by Volk versus Max and Jan versus Sterling. Then Max dropped out, and it appeared the Korean Zombie was going to step in. Well, Zombie will be stepping in to face Alexander Volkanovsky. We do know that for sure for the featherweight title, but it will be at UFC 273 on April 9th. And Jan Sterling will also be moving to this card as the co-main event. Um, Really interesting that, uh, I don't know if it was Sterling that kind of came out and tried to move that fight, uh, Mm. but uh, it seemed like he wanted a little, another month. I think this, this, yeah, it's in April. So, I don't know, kind of interesting that that got moved as well, but whatever. Um, So with that, though, we do have a new main event for UFC 272 on March 5th, the long-awaited matchup, former training partners and roommates turned foes, Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal will be our new main event. I am so pumped for that matchup. Yeah, I'm ready for the embedded, man. It's going to be... The build-up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The press conferences. And it'll be interesting to see if afterwards, if they just hug like, man, we've been wanting to be public friends forever. Because you see, like, no, the weird... that's not... Ma- I don't think that's... Well, I don't know. I don't Masvidal know, did kind of do it with Usman, so He's maybe. into wrestling now, too, man. He'll do a heel turn or something like <laughs> yeah. that. You never know. <laughs> that's true. Any thoughts on that, Brandon? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, actually. Because... Um, Colby did the same thing with Usman, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, like at the end of their second fight, like he was, you know, saying it's all love. Um, I don't know, man. And if it really is 
truly bad blood, then I don't feel like you can come away from a fight like that and not have some respect. Cause I mean, what else, you know, why else have the bad blood after the fight? Um, mm-hmm. Assuming there's no crazy funny business going on during the fight. So, so, and then uh, one more little thing to add to that. Uh, so we know Cejudo was one of the guys that threw his name into the hat to face Volk. Um, Dana came out last night during his post-fight press conference um, and basically said, like, dude, you're retired, he's retired, you don't just get to come back and um, essentially get title shots. You haven't fought in, you know, two and a half, three years. Um, that's just not how it works. Um, and then Cejudo uh, responded on Twitter. I'm going to read his tweet. He said, Dana, I needed a break. Honestly, it was getting boring beating up TJ Phillishaw in under a minute and Dominic Snooze in two. I got married, had a kid, and I'm and I'm now rejuvenated. I want I want to be 4C. If I beat up an old guy at a bar and learn how to river dance, will you give me a shot? Basically taking shots at Conor McGregor and I don't know that I didn't get the river dance reference, but him being Irish. But that's what I was going to say too, man. Like when he says like, you can't just come back after two years and fight for a title. Sure. Yeah. Unless your name's Conor McGregor. Like, cause yeah. that's happened on multiple occasions with that guy. So yeah. And, but you know, um, but I think the most encouraging thing from that Dillashaw, I think Dill or, uh, Cejudo is that I think Cejudo's back I think that's what he's saying I think he wants a fight I think he says he's he's motivated he's ready to go so if Cejudo inserts himself to any division under 155 pounds it changes everything this year man 145 135 and uh 125 who knows dude Mm -hmm. I mean it, it literally changes the landscape of all three of those divisions depending on which one he wants to insert himself into I don't know if I love him at 145 pounds but we'll see I think uh, Connor probably had the funniest tweet I've seen all year. <laughs> he called him a little fart. <laughs> he called him a little fart, and for some reason, Cejudo actually had a pretty clever rebuttal to it. Oh, I'm a double chump or something. Double champ, double no, chump or something. No, no, it it was like, I think it was like one of those things. I'm gonna look it up. I think it was like one of those things. That it was only funny because like Cejudo said it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it's definitely interesting. Um, real quick, just to jump in, I'd actually seen Cejudo's quoted in saying that like Habib agreed like. He talked to Habib about his pay, and he said he was dumbfounded. He was like, "Really? He's not right. I don't. I understand you." He said, "People are getting different contracts, man." And then Suhudo said, "If Habib was making ten million a fight, and I'm nowhere near that, I deserve more." Essentially, I thought that was interesting. So who? So he called him a little fart, and then Suhudo said, "What do you know about farting? You always run out of gas." <laughs> 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 it's just so like childish and stupid. It's funny. Uh, next bit of news, boys. Dana White confirms Leon Edwards 100% next for Kamara Usman. Said he deserves it. He's waited long enough. Could not agree more and mm-hmm. cannot wait uh, to see that fight. Uh, not scheduled yet for a date, but we do know we're getting it. Um, there's not a main event. I know for uh, the London card. Uh, there's not a main event. I don't see why you don't throw these two on the London. Yeah. I think that would be massive. Get him on there, Aspinall. I mean, you have a lot. Patty. I mean, there's a lot of. Oh yeah, um, boys. Options. Yep. Misha Tate moving down to the flyweight division and will face Lauren Murphy in her first fight as a 125er, uh, also on UFC 273 on April 9th. So that card is going to be pretty stacked. But uh, <clears throat> thoughts on Misha Tate moving down? I, I don't know. That's weird. Hasn't she fought at 45? Or am I tripping? I, I thought that when I read that, but I was like, man, I don't know that I see her moving down. I mean, if she can make the weight, let's go. 
I mean, I'm for it. I don't I, I think Lauren Murphy's a tough first fight. <clears throat> yeah. I think it's kind of weird, too, because it was like the whole Juliana wins, so I'm going down. But it's like you weren't even showing, like, I'm about to get to the title. I mean, you just recently got got like you recently got beat, so I don't know how close you yeah, were to I getting to that. I don't think she looked that. terrible in that fight, though. I mean, was it who'd she fight? Marine Aldana? Was that who she fought? No, no, no. Ketlin Vieira. Yeah. And Vieira's yeah. big, and I mean, yeah. I, didn't think I, she I just felt terrible, like though. the way she did, the way it kind of sounded like, a, oh, I don't want to fight my teammate. It's like I don't know if you'll get there. Yeah. I mean, it's not promised, so I don't know. I don't, interesting. I think. I think Lauren's a good matchup for her, um, mm. but I, don't, I just my biggest thing is just going to be can she make the weight? Yeah, um, that's a big cut, um, especially if she has fought at forty five. So I just I want to see that first. That's the first fight she needs to get to the weight, and then we'll see. Yeah, but it also gives you know if she can say she beats Lauren Murphy, heck, her next fight could be Valentina. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it's just she's Misha Tate. There's not a lot of. Uh, contenders, you know, we're obviously talking about Caitlin or uh, Caitlin Chukagian, but Chukagian's got a contract to figure out, and those things can get messy and drawn out. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see. But I mean, if she can make it and she looks good, let's go. I'm here for it. That's right. what I'm saying. Um, that's all I got, boys. Wasn't really uh, newsworthy, but we were kind of we were kind of talking about the whole Conor McGregor stuff. Uh, I don't know if people saw, but his like bar, the Black Forge Inn, uh, mm-hmm. apparently was like. Molotov cocktail bombs were thrown at it. Um, and then people said that they saw like a bunch of dudes on scooters riding to and from it, like right when it happened. And like, dude, there's been like some little, like, there's always been like little rumors of Connor with the Irish mob. And it's like, dude, that's a little, and then Dana even commented on it. Somebody asked him about it at the post fight presser. And he was just like, hey. well, he was like, oh, no, I need to get a hold of him and find out what's going on. Like, probably Dana knows more than we ever will, but <laughs> he probably knows all the slime balls. Yeah, yeah. Connor needs to uh, probably pay the mob his uh, residential yeah. debts or whatever. You don't want it is. the Peaky Blinders coming at you. Definitely not. Um, I'm trying to think. Did you guys see the like the little like in the post fight presser last night? They started talking about COVID, and I think it was Kevin Ioli, uh, who's a journalist uh, at the press conference. Dana was like, they were talking about the Joe Rogan stuff and all mm-hmm. the you know stuff that he took, and Kevin Ioli was like, at Dana was like, "Are you a doctor?" Like it kind of got like a little like tense for a minute. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I definitely tell I recommend people to go look it up. You could tell it kind of rattled Dana for a minute. Like what? <laughs> But it was just kind of cool. You don't see people challenge Dana like that, and especially like a journalist. Well, yeah. Well, I know him and Kevin Ioli. They they have a really like good relationship, but uh, you just don't really see it that much. And then the mm-hmm. fact that they kind of got in this like little back and forth debate and it had nothing to do with fighting. It was just kind of like cool. Mm-hmm. It was a cool little perspective. Right. So COVID for you. That is that is COVID for you, uh, boys. That is it. Uh, anything else before we wrap up and get out of here? All right. Uh, Song of the week is going to be Man of the Year by Schoolboy Q. Um, I'm just feeling that for us this year. Nice. Listen to that song this week. And I was like, let's go, boys. 2022. Um, Before we get out of here, John, what is your one for for the people? Shout out to Alani Davis. Third time winning state in wrestling. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah. Nice. Three times in a row. Is she a junior or a senior? Um, I'm not 100% sure. She's got to be a senior. Well, I don't know, because if it's third year, you have to imagine she's probably won it every year, right? Yeah. And then I think uh, Eli won. Uh, Andy's boy. He, he didn't win he won state. conference. Yeah. Oh, he won conference. Was it okay. even conference? I thought it was just a tournament. Maybe I'm It was sure. in six years. It was conference. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but we trained out. with Alani, so I thought that was really cool to see yeah. her get she's state beast, three times dude. in a row. She's man. a beast. She's going to – I would not be surprised if she ends up at the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like she's probably that good. But mm-hmm. I don't really know women's wrestling, but I feel like when you're that good at that young, it's you're right. probably heading that way. Brandon, what is your one for the people, dude? So um, since I've been quarantined, I had some time to actually kind of invest in a new show. Oh. And um, completely, like, it was recommended to us from a few people. Um, it totally came out of nowhere. It was a fantastic show. In, in my opinion, our opinion, um, we Yellowstone. We watched the first season. It's a it's a kind of a western drama, and I'm not like I'm not into westerns at all. It's like Sons. But, uh, is it like kind of like Sons of Anarchy ish, but like western? I've, I've never seen that show. Um, I probably either. let me look it up because I think up. it's one I wanted to get into. But is it what's it on Paramount? What? I believe right. No. Uh, Peacock. It's oh, on Peacock. Peacock. The first three seasons are on Peacock too. Oh, it's the uh, prequel that's on. Paramount. Maybe it's not the one that I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. Kevin, well, Kevin Costner is like the the lead. Dude, I've been wanting to watch this for so long, but I thought it was on Amazon, and they were like, I think it was Amazon. They were trying to get me to pay like twenty dollars a season to watch it or something. Mm-hmm. If it's on, oh. is it free on Peacock then? Yeah, it's free. Oh, um, dude, I'll be getting on get that it. this week then. So, so, I, but again, man, like I absolutely do not like westerns at all. So yeah. I was really hesitant getting into this. But if you can get through the first two episodes, which I thought the first <laughs> episode did it for me, but just give it because the first episode is weird. It's like an hour and a half long. Um, so it's kind of a long one, but if you can get through the first two, man, that show is good. We binge watched the first season in like three days. Nice. So definitely Jeez. a good one. No, I'm definitely going to get on that. So I've given up on shows, dude. Like being my one, this is my one for the people. I I'm like so done with, um, I'm just burnt out, man. I'm burnt out on watching stuff. Um, it, it just, everything starts to seem the same and then you get bored. And then I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking like, is this even, you know what I mean? Like, am I, is this, maybe this is good, but I'm just so sick of watching things. So you know what I did? I was like, I'm going to do something different. I went on my Xbox and I bought Fight Night. Is it Night of Champions? Was that the last one they did? Or something like that? It was like on X, it was on Xbox 360. Holds up. Holds up. What a, (laughs) and so my one for the people is, let's, I almost said the F word. Let's bring back effing Fight Night. Please. Please. EA Sports. That, that game is phenomenal. Yeah. And, like, screw this UFC. UFC sucks. UFC hasn't been good since EA Sports took it over. Mm-hmm. EA, you had it with Fight Night. You yeah. did it. It was there. And the blueprint. This is the best time. It's the best time. The roster. You got dude, heavyweights. You got every division has fighters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, man, don't be afraid to go back and play those classics, though, man. Because I'm telling you, this one holds up. Holds up. Especially, I think it's, is it Night of Champions? Yeah, I got round two. Um, okay. With the EA Sports Pass or whatever, but yeah, yeah, and then and then if you get on EA, you can unlock their entire library for like five ninety nine a month. Yeah, I got it. That's all. It's worth. I it. didn't do that. I just paid the twenty dollars for Fight Night, but I was like, man, I want to play like an old classic game. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go back to the Fight Nights. It's a chance to you playing a boxing game, Brandon. I used to play. Um, actually, there was a Rocky game for. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember if it was GameCube or was it PlayStation uh, 2? GameCast. Uh, yeah, a, a boxing game on GameCube, and it, and it was Rocky. What are you trashing Rocky for? You don't. I, I, I don't like Rocky. I think Rocky is not a great movie. How dare you? Just what not. You, I think it's an over. I think it is chick- an. I think it is an overrated series. It it won best. Okay, so I, I'll give you like two, three, four, five being overrated, but the first one literally won best picture. Like I will give you the first one is very good. Outside of that, I think it is one of the most overhyped series ever. That's fair. Hot take. In cinema history. 
sports mm. cinema history. Hot take. Watch The Mandalorian or uh, Book of Boba. I did that last week. It's the Book of Boba. Jesus. It's a good show. I swear it. Well, that's it. We're going to get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies. <laughs> uh, follow us at Neon Belly Podcast on Instagram. Mm. I'm sure that clip will be up there somewhere. Oh, yeah. I don't know if these two will let me get through the week without it. Oh. And we will see you guys next Monday, as usual. Drink Peace. Love you, Mom.